This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas. A community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org ut. Or find us on Instagram at TexasRUF. Guys, um, tonight our speaker is Richie Sessions. And just to kind of give you a little intro um, to Richie, um, Richie is a sweet friend of me and John's uh, here at Texas RUF. Um, Richie was actually my senior pastor at Independent Press in Memphis when I was middle school, high school age. Um, so I had the privilege of sitting under his teaching for several years um, and just learned a lot. And was able to go through my profession of faith situ- not situation training, I guess you'd say, uh, where he sit through, sat through hours of me asking all these different questions and being so patient in that. Um, and so we just love Richie and our family, and I'm so excited y'all get to hear from him tonight. Um, he's a man of many talents. Um, he's a musician. He can play in all sorts of skits that I saw him do independent. Was it, were you boots and boots in one skit? Ah, yes, you were. There it is from Shrek. Um, and knows all the words to one thing from RYM. And so he can do it all. So I want y'all to give it up for Richie Sessions. You get to hear from him tonight. And I'm really excited to, that y'all get to hear from him. So we're passing it over to you, Richie. All right. Thanks, Mary Henley. Uh, actually, that was John Trapp that organized that whole, uh, that one thing. So the old school John Trapp, youth pastor. Um, okay, so glad to be here with y'all. Um, and our passage is from Luke chapter 13. Uh, we're we're going to look at Luke 13 verses 18 through 21. Can y'all hear me okay? We are all good, John? Okay. Let's see here. Uh, this is the par- parable of the mustard seed. In the yeast, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God like? Jesus asked. What shall I compare it to? Oh, there it is right there. Um, let's see. I'll just read y'all's passage. What, to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew, and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was leaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, for this ministry, for this technology that we can look at it. And I pray that it would be a blessing to to us now. In Christ's name, amen. All right. So you are doing parables. Um, Jesus, he just talked about the kingdom of God all the time. And um, this is what he came to do. So the kingdom of God is not just one among many things that he uh, talked about. It's the, it's the substance of his message. So the cross, the resurrection, uh, forgiveness, healing, um, liberation, both physical and spiritual, all results of the reign of the kingdom of God. So everything that Jesus does and says is about this kingdom. It, it, everything's about the kingdom, ultimately of bringing us back to himself to be with be with him in his kingdom and so it it's it's just the overarching theme of the entire really of the entire bible but definitely the ministry of jesus christ preaching about the kingdom of god now 
here's the problem. We're often confused by this idea of the kingdom. It can seem so out there and so foreign to us, and it can seem so impractical, and, and it can really seem like it's not real. Like in your honest moments, it can seem like such like such a far off magical idea. And it can often feel like Jesus didn't actually bring anything like a kingdom into the world because you look at the world and you see things like police brutality. You see uh, COVID-19, you see uh, evil and death and sin, and they dominate the front pages of of everything. It's, it's just surrounding us. So you look and see how much, what did Jesus actually accomplish when he said he brought the kingdom of God? So what does that mean? There's so much confusion about that. So Jesus teaches us parables about what the kingdom is like. And this is, I think, a really relevant parable for this just moment that we're into in America and in the world. To really understand the nature of the kingdom, uh, we need four things, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, first, we need the right expectations of what the kingdom is. We need, so he gives us what we need, which, how should we expect to see the kingdom, the expectations, the power of the kingdom. The success, what, is it, what does success mean in the kingdom? And then finally, hope. So expectations, power, success, and hope uh, in the kingdom of God. So how do we look at those things? How are we going to see the kingdom? Because um, you have to look at it through the proper lens to understand what Jesus is saying, and that's why he gave us parables, uh, so that we might understand it. So the first one is the expectations. What should we expect uh, when we look at the kingdom? of God. Jesus gives us this lens to see it properly. And here's the first thing. Um, the people in the first century, especially the Jewish people that, that, were, that, were, that were hearing this message first, most of them, it seemed, believed that the kingdom of God was going to be this massive display of power that, that, that all evil would be uh, overthrown at once, and that the Messiah would come um, and that at a macro level, um, that, that the Messiah would reign forever. So they were expecting sort of fireworks. So much so that John, that's what John the Baptist was expecting too, because close to the end of his life when he was in prison, um, he actually asks, he sends out two of his disciples and has them ask, are you the one to Jesus? Are you the one or should we look for another? Because he's in prison. Like he's, he's about to die. Like, and, and nothing like, nothing that great has happened. And so if someone like John the Baptist was confused about the nature or what to expect, then like, maybe like we should be too. And so here's what Jesus says to him. He sends this, sends these disciples back. And this is really important. Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk and lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is he who's not offended by me. Because it's so easy to be offended by just how small it looks. And here's what, here's what Jesus is saying, I think. He's saying, I have done enough to show you that the kingdom has come. But I have not come, I have not done everything. I've done enough in these healings, 
in my preaching and in the way I am to show you that I've done enough to prove that I will do everything. I've done enough. So Jesus didn't come the first time to do everything. And so this took a long time. His disciples were even confused by this. So we shouldn't expect, we, should, we shouldn't expect it to be this massive thing now. It will be. But Jesus did enough in his life, in his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. He did enough to prove that he was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. He did enough by fulfilling hundreds of different prophecies to, pr- to prove that he actually was God's uh, son. Um, but it's, it's really important to see that that's, it seems like a subtle distinction, but to have those expectations, this is the lens that you must have. Things are small now. They're not happening on a macro level. We must realize that the seed is growing and it's not what it will be, but, it, but it's still growing. Which brings us to our second point, which is the nature of the power of the kingdom. And this is a really important point because Jesus compares um, the, kingdom of God, the kingdom of God to seed. And he does this also um, in Matthew 13 when he talks about the seed of the kingdom being thrown out, the gospel to be thrown out like a seed, like someone sowing seed. And, and so he defines what power looks like here. And it is completely different than every uh, culture that has ever lived, humanity sees power as being something that is big. Um, hum- humans see something as as something that is extravagant, something that is um, overwhelming. But the but power in the kingdom is actually the opposite. It's actually power through weakness, and it's power through something that looks um, that always. Here's the thing: it always looks weak. Do you know that a, a seed is actually in a state of quiescence? That's a, that's a word, a vocab word for today. Um, quiescence, which means it's a state of rest that makes something that look like it's almost dead. Like a seed almost looks like it's not a thing. Uh, a mustard seed is like one, maybe two mill, millimeters in size. Um, a, a seed of corn is only one one hundredth of an ounce, but that's what Jesus compares the kingdom to. So all the power is in the seed. And we know something about seed is that seed has a power that looks very uh, unapparent. It it looks very hidden, but it is unstoppable and it is gradual. When Jesus touched down on the planet, he, he came to a manger. He could have been anywhere, but he was born in a barn or in a stable or in a cave, wherever he was. Animals were surrounding him. He he was born to a poor teenage virgin. He chose to do it in a weak way, which is the the lens of the power of the kingdom. It always looks weak. Um, This is very offensive. This is is why the gospel is offensive. Um, The power is in a tiny seed. It's almost just like, it's like an acorn. Um, I remember hearing this, this uh, illustration uh, years ago. There was some man in Italy who hated the idea of God, who was completely opposed to the resurrection, so much so that when he died, he had them place a marble slab over his grave 
because he says, I hate the resurrection. I don't believe in the resurrection. And, and he put this marble slab over his grave and uh, because he, he just thought it was ridiculous. And that's kind of ironic. But apparently uh, an acorn had slipped underneath this slab. And he, now in the middle of his grave is this, this massive oak tree. And so if you were looking to say, and, and, and to think like, okay, acorn versus marble slab, which one's going to win? You would always say the marble slab, right? Acorn wins every time. And that's the nature of the kingdom. So what Jesus Christ is saying is that this has looked weak from the very beginning. It still looks weak. Us gathered here on Zoom talking about this old book and this old story but it slowly was expanding so much so that the kingdom grows and it grows and it grows, goes across the Atlantic ocean. And now most of you are wherever you are, if you're in Texas or some other part of the world, you're hearing this gospel that was preached by a penniless teacher from Nazareth. The power of the kingdom is gradual and inevitable. Here's the third thing. We also have to change the way we see success, success in the kingdom. So since our expectations have to change, we should, we should not despise the day of small things. We should understand that power, the, the power is in the seed. The seed is very powerful, even though it looks small. We should also then change the way we see success in the kingdom. Um, and so what does it look like for us to be faithful in the kingdom? What should we be doing as Christians in the world? Especially now, I'm talking to my students, I'm talking to my staff, and they say, oh, we just feel so overwhelmed. We, we all feel so overwhelmed if you go to Instagram, you go to Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, and you feel like everything is just so out of control. You feel like you need to say something. You feel like you need to do something. What am I going to do? I feel so powerless. I'm just stuck here in my house while like some of our cities are on fire, uh, while people are sick. You just feel so powerless. But since the kingdom is small, and since we have to change the way we think of power, we, we, need to, we need to say to ourselves, that's okay. In fact, where you are, where God has put you, is where he's called you to be faithful in the little things. In the little things, not in the big things. Do you remember his logic, the way he sees power? Jesus spent most of his life, not, he was not in Rome, never went to Rome. He spent most of his life in the outskirts of Jerusalem, and he's from a despised region that was very rural. So he chose to do it this way. So that, that completely charges the monotony of our life or the mundane corners of our life to give it a lot of meaning. So Jesus is over here healing this one person or he's preaching this gospel. But every time we do something by the power of the Spirit, every time we do something uh, that is good and true and beautiful, we are breaking the chains of darkness and evil. The, the work of the kingdom, there are in the work of the kingdom, there are no little acts. There are so when our mundane daily tasks, anytime we're being kind, when we're being when we're loving our friends, when we're when we're when we're praying for our enemies, when we're reading our Bible, we're doing our little jobs, when we're doing things for the good of others. It has the same power that was born in the manger, that lived the perfect life, that died, was resurrected. It's charged with the eternal power of God. 
The kingdom changes the way you see success. So success is being present in your life through the power of the Spirit. Don't look down on your little world. It really matters. It mattered so much, it mattered to God. In those embarrassingly simple and concrete acts of kindness, the kingdom goes forth. It really is true. It's really how it works. It doesn't mean that the macro issues, the global issues are not important, but it means that God wants us to start with being still and silent in the worlds that we live in. Or in the words of uh, N.T. Wright, uh, what we do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it all behind altogether. They are part of what we call building God's kingdom. And I hope that will be extremely encouraging for us as we think about ourselves sort of trapped right now with the the uncertainties of school. Like, who are the people in your world that God is calling you to be present and to love and to pray for and to bear with? What are some ways that may seem very small that no one will ever see that God is calling you to plant a seed? He's calling us actually to be that leaven. That's what it means. Okay, so what's the final thing? And I'll close with this. It's the hope of the kingdom. So the book, the Bible is basically a book of trees. Um, It starts with the tree in the garden, the tree of life flourishing because God and man were together. The cross is another tree, right, which is in the Gospels. It also brought God and man back together. And then finally, in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, there is this great tree that is so fruitful. It has 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so it is no coincidence that Jesus Christ is talking about a tree that starts so small, so seemingly insignificant, but grows to be so great that birds come and nest, come make their nest in its branches. Um, Every culture, um, it seems, has what's called an axis mundi. And so if you study different religions, different cultures, every continent as a mountain or a pillar or a ladder or a person or a plant that connects heaven and earth. And oftentimes it's a tree because every religion, every culture know there's a gap between the divine world, the other world and the world that we're in. And we're always trying to bridge that gap. Only in Christianity does God bridge that gap. And so the true axis Mundi, like the one that actually was in space time history is what Jesus did that charges the real world that we live in the world of rocks and wood and uh, flesh and blood the the world that we really inhabit has now been re-enchanted with hope that gives us a realism It, it a realism because it allows us to be um able to look at the world and go, wow, that's really, really broken. Um, To not be so surprised 
that the world is as broken as it is. The moment that we're in um, is a very violent, angry, polarized moment. But this is what history does. This is the history of man. This is what happens. Don't be shocked by it. There are going to be people of God in the kingdom of God. And there are going to be people who also don't believe it. That's just going to happen. There is a great separation now. There is a great tension that will finally be brought together. So it gives us a realism, but it gives us a realism not to be cynical. Not to be cynical and to say, you know, to hell with the world. And it also gives us a realism without being, um, without being apathetic. Because hope now enables us to actually like really sink our, lo- sink our hearts into the world to get our hands dirty, not trying to fix it, not trying to be the Messiah, but realizing that even in our own deaths, we will become more alive. Uh, this is the way it's supposed to work. And so we find that we have patience, we have purpose, as we begin to see that the kingdom of God has come into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. He did exactly the way he wanted to. And that it is being carried through even through little talks like this, through little one-on-one conversations that you have with people, through prayers that you're having with people, through real acts of kindness and beauty that we carry out the kingdom of God that fills us with hope. So um, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about the kingdom of God uh, with these students. Thank you um, for this ministry at the University of Texas and at Vanderbilt. And I ask that you would, Holy Spirit, uh, just fill all of us as we go forward, uh, regardless of the great uncertainty that we're all facing, of what the semester looks like, what the rest of the summer looks like, to know that that we have arrived when we have you. Thank you so much for that great comfort and hope. And we lift all these things to you in Christ's name. Amen.